seated in Jesus' name. God bless you. I'm so glad to see everybody. What a wonderful, beautiful night. Amen. Beautiful congregation. And uh, we're thankful uh, to the Lord for his wonderful, wonderful blessings in our lives. How many just love Jesus? Amen. Thank the Lord. God is good. I want to say, uh, before we begin our Bible study tonight, I really want to impress it upon us to save uh, the date of June 9th, that is Sunday night, Pentecost Sunday. We are going to have a Holy Ghost time, uh, and joining with the entire apostolic community of Cincinnati, uh, we want as many people as possible to be a part of that outstanding service. Uh, we are going to have the outstanding ministry of Bishop C. Sean Tyson, one of my dear friends, one of the great apostolic preachers, uh, and uh, who will be there preaching on that Sunday night. Uh, we also uh, want to make an announcement that we have, uh, we have an opportunity for you to be a part of the Pentecost Sunday Choir. And if you would like to be a part of the Pentecost Sunday Choir, uh, that will be available to you. There are uh, two more rehearsals, uh, Thursday, May uh, 30th, and Monday, June 3rd. And that's going to be a, a great time. So we encourage you to do that. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to show up on Sunday night, June 9th, with a great showing from Tree of Life Church. And uh, Pentecost Sunday night is going to be a great time in the Holy Ghost. This is something that began in 1992. Uh, Bishop Bowers and Bishop Buller and Bishop Sizemore and, and several, uh, uh, well, the entire apostolic community of Cincinnati uh, joined together. And uh, we've... We have revisited that in the last few years, and God has blessed it greatly. And we're going to continue to see the hand, handiwork of the Lord in the coming together of his people, the people of the name. Amen. So we want to, we want to certainly lend ourselves to that and see God do great things. I want to continue our teaching tonight uh, on the subject, the process of backsliding. Backsliding. What a... What a bad word that, that uh, just, just really hits us hard. None of us want to be in a position of backsliding. And so we want to talk about ways to prevent it and, and signs to look for to make sure that this is not something that's happening in us. Because there is a possibility for a person to be backslidden in their heart. For instance, you might say, I would never, I'll never stop coming to church. I'll never stop uh, attending service or I'll never stop being in the church. Backsliding is something that can take place in the heart of an individual. And they can look like everything is okay and, and yet their hearts be far from the Lord. And so we want to do everything we can to make sure we're right with God. Jude verse 11, the book of Jude verse 11 says this, Woe unto them! For they have gone in the way of Cain, and have ran, they ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Now, we want to take this verse and understand 
that this verse is describing a process that begins and culminates with backsliding. This, of course, follows a description by the writer of several different entities throughout the scriptures who were once in a lofty position of relationship with God and now are no longer all of them are listed. So many of them are listed. Sodom and Gomorrah is listed. The angels, which kept not their first estate, uh, is listed. And, and then it even describes the fact that these are spots in your feast of charity. When they feast with you, they feed themselves without fear. They are clouds without water, carried about of winds. They are trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Notice the terminology that is used, wandering stars. Uh, The stars are not to wander. The stars are to be fixed by God in a place to give light in the darkness. But when a person is in a backslidden condition, they are They have fire like a star. They have illumination like a star. They have purpose like a star, but they are wandering. They are not fixed. They are not placed. They are not in their their place, but instead they are aimless. and They are wandering about with no, no purpose being fulfilled in their lives. And that's what backsliding will do to us if we're not careful. We talked last week about the fact that backsliding begins by going in the way of Cain. The way of Cain is a way of ought against your brother. And if you have ought against your brother or your sister, rest assured that the enemy is trying to bring you into a backslidden state of mind, trying to bring you into a backslidden state of life. And you must Take great precaution to prevent that from being the case. Amen. It begins with being hurt. It begins with having a wounded spirit. It begins with feeling offended. It begins, backsliding begins with you believing that you have been slighted not only by the individual, but you end up feeling like you've been slighted by God. Cain even felt like he had been slighted by God. Why won't God receive my sacrifice that I have brought to him? But, but the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. It had to be a kid of the flock. And, and God had respect unto that sacrifice. But Cain, like us, wanted to bring a nice, pretty fruit basket. That's a lot Easier to bring than it is to go grab some kid of the flock and go through the trouble of sacrificing this animal unto the Lord. And and so he developed anger against God and against Abel. He developed envy against the favor of God that rested upon Abel. And he hated Abel in his heart and that hate resulted in murder. And he became a vagabond. He became a fugitive from the presence of the Lord. That's the way of Cain. 
And if you live with unresolved resentment against your brother or your sister, then you are going to become a vagabond eventually. You say, I'll never stop coming to church. I didn't say you'd stop coming to church. But your lips can praise him and your heart be far from him. You could sit in this, you could sit in this building and praise God and hate somebody across the way. That's a backslidden condition. And you cannot let that, let that be the case. What a tragedy for an individual to be bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Filled with the precious Holy Spirit. Somebody to have access to the very holy things of God. Only to lose out. Because they wouldn't forgive somebody the way God forgave them. God expects you to forgive people like He forgave you. When we accept the Lord's name in our life, which we do at baptism. We, we do not just take his titles. We take his name in baptism. The name of Jesus Christ. The name of the perfect sacrifice. We receive the name of the Lord Jesus Christ upon our life. And when we do it, the Bible says we do it for the remission of sins. That means the washing away of sins. The cleansing of sin. The blotting out of sins. Now, now sometimes we quote Acts 2.38, and I'm going to quote it. I'm not going to ask everybody to quote it because sometimes we misquote it. And I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. So I'm going to quote it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The remission of sins. Sometimes we say it this way, for the remission of your sins. But he didn't say for the remission of your sins because it's not just your sins that are remitted. It is both your sins and it is all sin associated with your life, even the sins that were perpetrated against you by other people. All of that is washed away in the blood of the Lamb. So every lie that was told, every lie you told is washed away. And every lie that was told about you is washed away. Every person you hated, that hate that you had for them is washed away. And the hate they had for you is washed away as far as you were concerned. So, so the offense you gave and the offense you received, all of it's washed away in the name of Jesus Christ. You and I cannot hold others accountable for when we accept the forgiveness of God for ourselves. Can't do it. Our receiving forgiveness is simultaneously tied to us forgiving others. That's why the Lord's Prayer says it this way. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our debtors as we forgive those who are indebted to us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We are not only forgiven, but we forgive all at once when we are baptized in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And if we don't do it that way, this is what the Bible tells us in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. When we're baptized in Jesus' name and we say, Lord, I receive your name, I take your name, and I receive the forgiveness and the remission of sins and the washing away of sins that comes with your name, but I'm going to hold them accountable for the sins they've perpetrated against me. You have taken his name, but you've taken his name in vain. 
doesn't do you any good. Because you're not allowing the thorough work of the forgiveness of God to, to, to operate in your life. And when you go back, the Bible describes backsliding like this. Listen how disgusting this is. It's, it's scripture, so I'll mention it. It's like dogs returning to their vomit. It's like pigs wallowing in the mire. God has removed something vile from your life. God has removed something poisonous and toxic from your life. He has caused it to come out of you. And then you go back by holding a grudge against somebody. You go back by, by holding some kind of an offense. That's where backsliding begins. You say, well... I don't know if I agree with that because there's temptation to consider. That's right. There's temptation to consider. But understand, temptation is powerless against an individual who is immersed in the love of God. And immersed in the love of the people of God. Temptation is powerless. I didn't say you wouldn't struggle with temptation. But you are so empowered and you are so emboldened and you are so incentivized and you are so, so filled with boldness and confidence when you are tempted and are backed by the love of God and by the love of the people of God and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's why Jesus said that if you love God with all your heart and you love your neighbor as yourself, you'll keep all the commandments. You'll do it. You won't steal from somebody when you're loving them as you love yourself. You certainly won't kill them. You won't commit adultery when you love people the way you love yourself. You won't, you won't, you won't bear false witness against your neighbor or covet. You won't. You won't dishonor your parents when you are immersed in the love of God. What opens the door for temptation to have influence in your life is the breach of that love which is hurt and offense. It's when somebody has broken that trust of love that you once had. And I'm going to tell you something. When you come into the church, there is nothing like coming into the church of the living God and feeling the warmth of the love that exists within the body of Christ. And it's just one big happy family and you love everybody and they love you and everything's going good. And then somebody messes it all up. Says something mean, calls you a name, talks behind your back, says something rude, says, tells a lie on you. And, and you're like, wait a minute, I, I thought this was the church. I thought this was the body of Christ. I thought this was the bride. I, I, I didn't think we acted that way. I, I thought cutthroat happened out there. Well, you're going to find cutthroat happens within the body. You're going to find it. Anybody been in church for a little while? Anybody that's been in church for a few years, just wave your hand in the air just like that. Anybody ever been hurt by folks in the church before? Wave your hand if you're... Yep. And you've done some hurting yourself. We all have. I've hurt folks on accident. I didn't, I, 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 I've never meant to hurt anybody, but found out later they were offended, they were hurt, they were wounded... And, and, and there was a breach in their spirit by some carelessness on my part, by some, by some neglect on my part. And I didn't even realize that, that this hurt had been inflicted. But when hurt is exacted upon somebody, it, it, it creates a, a chasm. And you must be aware of it. Paul said this. 
He said, I do not want you to be ignorant of the devil's devices. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to keep people from being ignorant of the devil's devices. One of the devices he loves to use is church hurt. He loves to use church hurt to get you to go in the way of Cain. To start feeling like nobody loves you, like God isn't being fair, like there are other sacrifices more valuable than yours, and that's not right. And, and Abel is esteemed, but I am devalued, and, and there's just no room for me there. And, 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 and it's just, it's age old. It, it is a vicious cycle. And somebody's got to stand up in your life and say, I won't go in the way of Cain. I refuse to be offended. Now, you've got feelings, and I've got feelings, and we've all got feelings, and feelings have a tendency of getting hurt. They just do. They're very sensitive, especially when we wear them on our shoulders, especially when we wear them on our sleeves, and we all do it. And, and, and we can smile our way through acting like we didn't get our feelings hurt and pretend like we're some kind of a bionic person that you can... You no, know, I don't feel hurt by that. And when we actually do feel hurt by that, let me tell you that the devil will jump on that hurt in a heartbeat and try to get you to have some kind of division against your neighbor, against your brother, against your sister, and lead you into the way of Cain. And you must take that thing to God in prayer, and you must get that resolved. And, if, and the Bible says if, if, if you have to, go to your brother and say, I need to, I need to pray with you about this, and I, I need to resolve this. And, and can, let me ask you something. You need to be the kind of a person who can receive the fact that you might have hurt somebody on accident. I've had, I, again, I'll say it again, I've hurt so many people on accident, I'm saying, Lord... Forgive me. If I hurt anybody, forgive me. If I wounded someone's spirit today, Lord, forgive me. And so it doesn't surprise me at all if somebody comes up to me and says, I want you to know that I've been carrying something and I need to bring it to your attention. I don't want to carry it. I'm not going to be surprised by that. I'm not going to be offended by that. I'm going to simply say, I am sorry. Please forgive me. That, that, that whatever this was that has caused offense. And so if, if you're in that position, be quick. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to ask for forgiveness. Be quick to do it. Don't you realize it's the enemy trying to stop the work of God? He can get you distracted over here while people go to hell over there. Don't you know? You do know. You do know. You understand. It's all an effort to cause other people to lose their soul. Well, you are distracted by the offense that Jesus said, don't let it sit in your heart or in your mind or in your soul or in your spirit. Don't do it. Well, but you don't understand. My family, we don't forgive. You're in a different family. We're in the family of Jesus Christ, and it is characterized by forgiveness. Well, we, we hold grudges. No, we don't hold grudges. Because you can't, you can't carry the grudge into glory. That's why you don't hold grudges. He'll check you at the door. And he'll say, you don't have on the wedding garment. Depart from me. I never knew you, but I spoke in tongues. I don't know you. 
But I, but I was baptized in your name. I don't know who you are. Because those who are of me forgive. Forgive. That's who, that's who we are. We are a forgiving people. Where would you be if God treated you the way you treat others? Where would you be if God held you to account the way you hold others to account? Where would you be if God dangled over your head every time that you, that you struggled, held the things that you've already asked him to forgive you for if he dangled that over your head? You know who dangles it over your head? Not God. The accuser of the brethren. So who are we acting like when we dangle things over people's heads that they've asked God to forgive them for, that they've repented of? Let me say it that way. Things they've repented of. When we begin to pull them back to the vomit, pull them back to the mire, we're acting like the accuser of the brethren, not like the Lord of glory. And I love how God forgives us. Oh, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Oh, you got to understand, I don't deserve to be in his body. I don't deserve to be in his church. I don't deserve to be in his presence. I don't deserve to be in his will. But, but, but God, who is rich in mercy, saw fit to pull all of us from wherever we were and baptize us with the Holy Spirit and, and cover us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you, you ought to be so so full of thanksgiving for that truth alone you don't have time to be offended oh hallelujah you truly do you truly do have to understand that that people who hurt you are in a growing process it doesn't matter how long they've been in the church they're in a growing process and and this is actually your reaction to the way they've hurt you. Hear what I'm telling you right now. I feel this in the Holy Ghost. Your reaction to the way they have hurt you, God can use it to show them what grace looks like. You know, Jesus multiplied loaves and fishes, and he raised Lazarus from the dead, and he walked on water, and he... I mean, it's, we could go on and on of the things that Jesus did that were glorious and magnificent and marvelous and wonderful, but, but none of that convinced that Roman centurion that he was the Lord, that he was the Son of God. You know what convinced him that he was the Son of God? When they had crowned him with thorns and when they had put the spear in his side and when they put the stripes on his back and the nails in his hands and the nails in his feet and they wounded him and bruised him and chastised him and smote him and afflicted him and, 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 and struck him and did everything and murdered him. And in, all, in the middle of all of it, Jesus is saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen said of the people who stoned him, lay not this sin to their charge. I love that because that's him literally saying, He's not saying, Lord, help me forgive them. He's already forgiven them. He's saying, I want you to forgive them. I want when they stand before judgment and their life is, 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 is spelled out, I please don't let this come up. Please do not hold this to their account. I mean, what manner of love had the Father bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God? When the centurion saw all of that, 
That's when he said, truly, this was the Son of God. And when people see your reaction to hurt, when people see the grace you show after being wounded, that's when they will say, truly, he is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. Jesus said it this way, don't let your light be hid but let it shine so that they may behold your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And there is no greater work than forgiveness. Amen. If you think receiving forgiveness was awesome, you ought to try giving forgiveness. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You, you haven't experienced love like giving forgiveness. It's a beautiful so satisfying love when you give forgiveness. So this is how we don't go in the way of Cain. We realize that the devil's trying to send us down a path when we feel hurt, when we feel wounded, when we feel offended. And we just made up in our mind, in Jesus' name, I'm not going to be offended. And if I'm struggling with it, I will take it to prayer and I will nail that thing to the cross. And, and here's how, here's how, you, here's how you, you really step on and trample it under feet. You show love to those who have wounded you. You give love. Let me say it that. I want to say it. I think that's a better way of saying it. You give love to those who have hurt or wounded or offended you. You give love. Amen. And, 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 and if you have to grit your teeth to do it, grit your teeth to do it. But do it. Give love in Jesus' name. The next thing that happens, though, to those who have gone in the way of Cain, they, they then shift gears and, and things escalate, and they begin to run greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. Now, Balaam is an interesting character in the Word of God. I'm going to go briefly through his, through his account because it's an amazing account, and uh, you just have to, you just have to uh, understand where this guy's coming from. He was a prophet, and he was contacted by a king by the name of Balak. Uh, who wanted to curse the children of Israel. And he called Balaam to come and curse the children of Israel. And Balaam said, Lord, what do you want me to do? They're asking me to come and curse the people of Israel. And God said, do not go with them. Do not go with them and do not curse the people. They are blessed. And if you curse them, you'll bring a curse upon yourself. Do not go with them. And so... Balaam sent word back to Balak and said, I can't do it. God said, I can't, I can't curse the people. And so, sorry, you have to find somebody else. Balak sent back men, the Bible says, more honorable. He sent a, a more significant entourage of higher officials in his kingdom. And they came to him and they said, Balak will give you a great position of honor and he will give you money. And he'll give you all sorts of silver and gold. And so Balaam went back to God. And this, this is where he made his mistake. This is the point in his account where he made his mistake. He never did curse the people. He never did. He never did open his mouth to curse the people. He only blessed them. He blessed them powerfully. But, but the idea that he might be missing out on some money or some reward or some position of honor or something that satisfied his flesh got to him and he went back to God after God said no don't go he went back to God and said are you sure 
I mean, they just, they got all this elevation. They've got all this, all of this honor, all of this promotion. And God said, all right, go. But only speak the words that I give you. Now, you need to understand something. You be careful when you know something is wrong. And you are insistent on going down that path and trying to find a way to make it good. Even, even trying to spiritualize it. God, can you help me twist this? Make it your will? Because here's what God said to Balaam. He said, go ahead. You know how when you go to your parents and you say, when you were a kid, you'd say, Mom, Dad, you know, can I have this? No. Can I have this? No. Please, no. Please, no. And after the, after the incessant crying out about it, finally they said, fine, whatever. You know, fine, whatever does not mean yes. And that's kind of where Balaam was with God. It was a please, God. They got all this promotion. They got all this stuff in front of me. And God said, fine, whatever, go. And so he goes. Even though the Lord said, only speak what I put in your mouth. While he's on his way, the Lord has sent an angel to kill him. And, and while he's running greedily after the error for reward, the angel of the Lord is standing in the way ready to murder him and to slay him for his, for his disobedience against what God had originally told him. And so the Bible says riding on a donkey... This donkey has been his donkey for a long time. So she's a good donkey, the Bible says. And she begins to pull away from the path, will not let him go down that path. And, and he, he smites the donkey. And, and, and insists that they go down this path, and they go down further down this path, and, and they take off through a field, and, and again, she just, she just stops and won't move. And he smites her again. The third time, she just falls flat, and Balaam is like, what in the world? He smites her again, and the Bible says, the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and let her speak. And she said, she said, why have you smitten me these three times? She said, do you not know that I am a good beast of burden? Have I ever led you astray? Have I ever been stubborn like this before? I know, I know we get a bad reputation for being stubborn. Have I ever been stubborn with you before? And Balaam said, no, not really. The donkey's talking to him, and he's, he's like, wow, you are a lot smarter than I gave you credit for. And, and the, the Bible says that when the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and the donkey spoke, that then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. And he saw the angel of the Lord with a sword drawn. And the Lord said, I have been in position three times to slay you. And three times the donkey prevented it from happening. If it hadn't been for the donkey, Balaam would have died. Balaam is blown away. He said, oh, God, help me. I won't go. And the Lord said, you can go, but, but only put, only speak what I put in your mouth. He goes forth, 
and, and, he, and he prays to God. He sees all of Israel camped out there, and, he, and, he, and God gives him a word, so he speaks that word. Then the king, Balak, pulls him away to another place and says, I want to show you a different angle because you gave them a blessing. I asked you to give them a curse. He takes him to another place. He said, look at them from this vantage point. And Balaam again seeks God. And God said, I, only, I will only bless them. I will not curse them. And he speaks that blessing. And the third time, he didn't even seek God the third time because now he knows God's going to bless them. So he speaks only a blessing. Balak was furious. He said, here, I hired you to curse them. All you did was bless them. You blessed them three times instead of cursing them one time. And do you know, that story kind of ends, I, I, I think it kind of ends harmless, right? I mean, Nehemiah would later say that God turned what was trying to be a curse into a blessing. It became an inspiration to Israel. It kind of seems like all's well that ends well. But Balaam surfaces over and over and over in the New Testament as an example of unrighteousness and disobedience because he was receiving reward knowing he was on the wrong path, knowing God originally said, do not go, knowing that God was never going to curse, but, but every time he was hired or contracted, he was receiving more money and he was receiving more from, from Balak and he was going thinking that maybe, just maybe, there might be something in this for me. More promises that he was receiving from Balak, and he was thinking there might be something in this for me. Let me tell you what the error of Balaam for reward is, and folks who run greedily after it. When you know something is wrong, and you insist on charging down that path, thinking you might get something good out of it. You will not get anything good out of sin. Nothing good will come from it. You can, you can deceive yourself all you want. You can, and here's what happens. Those who have gone in the way of Cain, here's what happens. They start feeling justified to go down this path because I was hurt, because I was wounded. You don't know how they treated me. Anybody in my shoes would go this same route. Anybody who had been through what I've been through would go down this same path. And you let yourself go down this path thinking, I'll spiritualize it as I go. And every turn of the road, I'll ask God what, what I should do and what would be his will when all the while you've known for a long time, it's wrong, it's wrong, it's wrong. Don't go. Don't go down that path. Don't go down that path. It, it happened for Samson. Samson is a classic case of a person who runs greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. He knew that Delilah was trying to deceive him. He understood that this was, this was not going to be something that was going to turn out well. And yet he went to her house and he played the game. And he dabbled in the thing he knew was playing with fire. He just, he just was in her presence. And she would say, tell me the secret to your strength. And he's thinking to himself, I would never do that. I would never give away the secret to my strength. So he kind of toyed with it, flirted, played games 
running greedily, thinking, thinking he might get some kind of a reward. The kind of reward he was seeking was the reward of a satisfying relationship with this woman he was lusting after. There is no satisfying relationship that can come from lusts of the flesh. So Samson found out the hard way that backsliding never ends well. Just never ends well. I was thinking about when we were in the Dominican Republic uh, building the church there. Uh, we were in a very, very rough area. And uh, several of the men uh, went down there and uh, we were in a very rough area. When we stepped off the plane, the missionary brother Shirley said, now listen, I don't want to make you all nervous or anything, but the, the building where we're, that we're going to be building, the neighborhood where it's located, there was somebody murdered in cold blood across the street a few days ago. And uh, we said... Why would that make us? Why would that make us nervous? I mean, come on! And uh, he said, "I'm just telling you because I don't want you to venture off from the site. You stay, you stay in the church. <laughs> stay on site. Don't go wandering off on your own." And we thought, okay. And I was, I was pretty focused to stay where I needed to be. Amen. So we got down there, we started working, and we had such a great time, and we were eating chicken and rice and building and nailing nails and, and, and working, working, and, and having fun and telling jokes and laughing and, and just having a good time. And that was day one, and then day two, more of the same, and day three, more of the same. Now the work started to wind down day four, got down to about day five, and we're comfortable here. I've not seen anybody get murdered. Don't know what he's talking about. Seems safe to me. Got comfortable in this environment where I've spent enough time. When I first got there, I was a little suspect of my surroundings. But now I've been there a while, I'm not as concerned. And so we decided to take us a little 30-minute walk. Brother Brian Duvall and myself <laughs> and Nate Wilson went for a little walk. And we had a young man with us who would translate, his, he didn't speak English as good, but he could understand us and, and, and could help us to understand him. And so we said, let's go for a little walk. And we go walking. And not supposed to, but, you know, we've been here a little while. We feel comfortable now. And as we go walking, and we're making our way back to the site, Nate Wilson was in front of us with his video camera looking down at his screen, and, and I saw him look up. And then he turned around and walked back. I looked up, and here came a man with a big, rusty machete. And no shirt and hair going everywhere. Looked like he was on something. And he's wielding that rusty machete like this. Just He's coming at us with a big, rusty machete. And we're standing there like... Well, praise the Lord, good brother. How are, how are you doing today? <laughs> you probably shouldn't have wandered off the side, as it turns out. And, uh, and he said something to the gentleman that was with us, and he was very aggressive, and he was very intent. He wanted to know who we were, where we came from, what we were doing. We didn't understand everything that was being spoken. Our, our uh, translator was laughing kind of nervously and then hurrying us along, and, and we walked away from that spot. 
Later, I said, I don't know what we were worried about a rusty machete for. I mean, we had our tetanus shots. We were, you know, sure everything would have been fine. But what happens is when you go to a particular area long enough, you start feeling comfortable and you feel like, I can handle this. And that's the way Samson felt. He was with Delilah, knew he shouldn't have been there, knew he shouldn't have been involved with her, but he got comfortable in her presence. And, and even her questions, they were piercing questions, like, tell me the source of your strength. And, and, and he knew this was crossing a line, but he just was, he was, he was every day he spent there, he was, he was letting down his defenses until he was expecting to receive some kind of reward of self-satisfaction, and he ended up, dying in the process of this path that he was on. Now you hear what I'm telling you. There is something that happens when you begin to let down your defenses as you run greedily after some vain reward. What's happening? You're, you're backsliding. You're, you're, you're running. You're running the wrong direction. You're supposed to be running the race that is set before you and instead you have turned around and you have run back to stuff God has delivered you from. And it's a tragedy that's trying to unfold in your life. And God, notice when Cain was there, when Cain was experiencing his, his experience with Abel, the Bible says God spoke to him. And God said, Cain, where is your brother? And Cain said to God, am I my brother's keeper? He, had, he was able to hear the voice of God. See, when you're hurt and you're offended and you're wounded, you're still able to hear the voice of God. The, the Word of God will reach for you. God's voice will try to speak to you. But when you begin to run greedily after the reward of Balaam, God sometimes has to speak to you through strange circumstances. He'll open up the mouth of a donkey and He'll speak to you in strange ways to get your attention, to jolt you, jolt you, chuck you out of whatever deception you're in. I know of a man who, was, who had backslid, had turned his, his heart against the Lord, and had walked back, sliding into what God had delivered him from. He went into drug dealing, and he had an experience. He was pastored by my grandfather. He had an experience where that he was in Miami for a... A, a drug deal under the guise of, a, of a, what seemed to be a legitimate business transaction. And they were going to meet at a hotel. And, and he, he was preparing to meet at this hotel. And everything was, everything was going to be as normal. He had done it a, a, a number of times. No big deal. But that night that he slept, he had a dream. And in this dream, he walked into a hotel lobby and he turned to the right and walked down a long hallway and at the end of that hallway was a door and in his dream he just walked what seemed to be an endless hallway and he came to the door and he put his hand upon the door handle the doorknob and and when he did it it it, it burned his hand he pulled his hand back and the, the the knob was 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 hot like fire and and all of a sudden a an image like a almost like a almost like a hologram image of my grandfather appeared before him who was his pastor and he said, do not walk through that door. And then he disappeared. He put his hand again on the door 
And the same thing happened. The image of my grandfather, his pastor, appeared and said, do not walk through that door. The third time, the same thing happened, and he woke up. It so shook him, so terrified him, he, the fear of God was all over him. He said, I cannot go to this transaction. And so he stayed home from the transaction. And as it turned out, the drug deal went bad. And, and guns were pulled. Shots were fired. And the majority of the people who were there for that died tragically in that drug transaction gone bad. And God spared him. By speaking to him in a strange way. By speaking to him in a way that could get to him. God forbid you ever get to a place where the preacher can't get to you. I fear for the souls of those who can sit callously through what I'm teaching tonight and still make up your mind you're going to go the direction you want to go and you're going to walk the path you want to walk because you've heard this before and this is more of the same and he just doesn't know what I've been through. God is reaching for you tonight. He's trying to prevent you from going in the way of Cain and becoming a vagabond, homeless. You've got a home. It's in the church of the living God. You've got a family. It's the family of Jesus Christ. You've got folks who love you and who will pray for you. Hallelujah. And if you don't feel like they will because you feel like you've been hurt, you need to let that go. And you need to confess that to somebody and say, I want to serve God, but I'm struggling. I feel hurt. I feel wounded. And let the family of Jesus Christ embrace you again. Pull you into themselves again. And let God love you back to life. Hallelujah. I'm passionate about it because we've got too many dead brothers and too many dead sisters and too many backslidden believers and too many folks who are filled with the Holy Ghost not serving God. Too many folks who are, who are blood washed but backslid. Too many people who have been born again but have turned their hearts from the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. And I'm going to tell you something. If you know of somebody that is not where they need to be with God, you need to pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Reach out to them and let them know you love them. Reach out to them and let you know God cares. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We must be intentional about stopping people from going in the way of Cain. And running greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. There is no reward for cursing what God has blessed or blessing what God has cursed. And when you step into the realm of sin, you are blessing what God has cursed. When you step into, in Samson's case, fornication, you are blessing a thing God has cursed. And when, you, and when you turn your back on the things of God and speak evil of the church of the Lord, you are cursing something God has blessed. And you must understand it is all a trick of the enemy. Your adversary who is going about seeking whom he may devour in the name of Jesus. And it's not, listen, there's no, there's no effort here or value in us sitting here pointing fingers at other people because we must take heed to ourselves lest we become a castaway. We must take heed to ourselves and to the doctrine. I want to tell you something. It's only by the grace of God we're not all backslid. 
Every one of us that have had opportunities to backslide and every one of us have been tempted to do so. But God, by His grace and by His mercy and by His precious love, kept us. Hallelujah. Kept us. And I'm going to tell you something. If you're here tonight and you're going through a trial, stay strong, my brother. Stay strong, my sister. Hallelujah. Stay strong in the faith. Hold fast the profession of your faith. You've got to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You've got to get into the word of God and be inspired by the scriptures again. You got to pray in the Holy Ghost again with all prayer and all supplication in the Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. I wonder if we could just praise the Lord together right now. Come on, let's praise the Lord together right now. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's lift up the name of Jesus. Let's lift up the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, if you haven't praised him in a little while, you ought to let praise just roll out of your soul right now. Come on, somebody give praise to God. Give thanks unto the Lord. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's stand together right now. I have heard, I have heard too many times, I have heard too many times, backsliders say to me, oh, oh, what I would give to be in the presence of the Lord one more time. Oh, what I would give to be in that atmosphere where the Spirit of the Lord moves upon my heart. Hallelujah. And, and, and to think that they would ever think that they couldn't make it back. God forbid in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible said there were ten virgins. Five were wise. Five were foolish. The five wise virgins had oil in their lamps. And the five foolish virgins had lamps but had no oil with them. And when the night began to... to to extend itself. They realized they needed oil for their lamps. Now here's, here's what, what, what we're facing in 2019. We're living in the spiritual night. There's spiritual darkness. Jesus is going to come back soon. He's going to set up his kingdom upon this earth. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming back. And you better have oil in your lamp. You better have oil in your lamp. Hallelujah. You'll grope in this darkness. I want to tell you, you can, you can see, you can see who has oil and who doesn't have oil by those who are confused in this darkness because they don't know where they're going. You know why they don't know where they're going? They're aimless because they don't have oil in their lamps. But if you'll get oil in your lamp, it'll cause the beautiful light of Jesus Christ to shine in your life and you'll know what step to take. His word will be a lamp to your feet. His word will be a light to your path. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're in need tonight of fresh oil, Lift up your hands unto the Lord and say, God, I need a fresh touch. I need fresh oil in my, in my lamp. I need fresh oil in my lamp. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, all across this building, I want us to seek God for the next few moments. Hallelujah. Let's seek God for the next few moments in Jesus' name. Come on, all across this building, God, I need you, Jesus. Lord, help me to keep my heart right. Help me to keep my spirit right. 
Help me to be focused upon the things of God. Help me to be concentrated on the kingdom of God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you're facing temptation in your life, I want you to give that to God right now. Don't play games with it. Don't think you've got it under control. Don't think that you can keep it hidden. Just say, God, I need you to give me strength over this right now. I need you to give me victory over this right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't play with that fire. Don't play with it, Samson. Don't play with it. In the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. In the presence of the Holy God. Oh, hallelujah. In the presence of the Lord. That's where we are right now. Come on, enjoy it. Come on, enjoy it in the name of Jesus. That's where That's where you'll find everything. Everything that you need. Because when we seek His face, He'll draw near to us in the presence of the Holy God. Oh, my soul longs for you. And nothing compares to you. Yes, I Until I feel your presence surrounding me, oh Lord, in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, that's where you'll find. That's where you'll find everything. That you need, oh, when we see His face, He will draw near to us in the presence of the Holy God. Hallelujah, my soul. Till I feel your presence. presence. 